This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American waterfowl. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North American Waterfowler. My name is Elliot, and I appreciate you listening in. If you like what I'm doing, the number one thing you can do to help me is just tell your friends about it. Help grow this podcast. We've been doing this for about a year now, almost exactly a year. And this is episode 89, I think. Um, so we are coming up on 100 episodes. So I hope that you are enjoying what I've got going on here. If you have any ideas of things you would like to hear me talk about or comments that, that you want to try to get on comment of the week, you can reach me at freelance duck hunting at gmail.com Instagram freelance duck hunting or the Facebook group, the North American waterfowler podcast. So today we are going to talk about hunting safety and I am going to go through one traumatic event that happened in the life of my father around ice. And we are going to talk about the recent fatalities because in the month of December, in the waterfowl world, there has been a lot of deaths. And you've probably seen the headlines. It's not uncommon to hear about a death here or a death there. I know in this state, Kansas, it seems like about every five, six years we have a death. But it just seems like this this last December, there was a lot more than normal. And what better time to talk about safety and waterfowl hunting than during this Arctic blast? And right now, we are in the middle of it. This is as big, as major a cold front as we can get. And this is stretching all over the nation. This is a big one. 
And so everybody has been really, really excited about this front, hunting this front. And I don't know about you. I have yet to hear about how people are doing. If you listen to my last podcast, you heard me talk about the fact that I can't hunt these conditions. In fact, I just got on weather.com and it says life-threatening conditions. And it shows the entire nation blue. Hypothermia, frostbite possible. Is it safe to go outside? How cold will it get? So I was shut down by my doctors saying I cannot hunt under 25 degrees for the next couple months. Now, this won't affect me next year and hopefully won't affect me in my life unless something else has happened. As you know, I had a heart attack and I've got to go through cardio rehab. My heart is 100% fine. It should be totally ready to go. No damage. We got to it fast. We got a stent in there. No permanent damage. No lingering effect from it. But until I go through cardio rehab, they said absolutely do not hunt below 25 degrees and maybe Elliot in his 20s ignored doctors but you know when you had a heart attack and you realize you could have died which I could have died I'm not playing around the risk reward factor is not in my favor and I try to live my life by risk reward what's the risk what's the reward is the reward great enough to chance the risk or is the risk so great that the best reward does not equal out that chance. And so for me, having just having a heart attack on the 18th of December, the risk reward is doctor says 25 degrees. Now I might cheat it to 20 degrees. I might do that, but I'm not going below that. So I did not get to go. And uh, we had a major plans coming up for this trip this weekend. Um, and I talked to Jake and Aiden. I was going to hunt with them. I talked to Jake and Aiden. And they shot a few mileage yesterday, but nothing great. It was just, when it gets this cold, every single thing that you try to do is a struggle. Starting the boat's a struggle. Your waders freezing is a struggle. Your gloves freezing. Your gun jamming. I mean, everything is just such a struggle. And yesterday, I was told that they had an ice hole on a lake, and it just kept freezing. They could not keep it open. And I have had that same Thing happened. I was hunting with Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Duck Gun Podcast, had him down here in Kansas, man, and I was absolutely certain we were going to shoot a limit. 100% certain. This is one of my favorite videos, by the way, too. This was a major Arctic blast then, too. And we got into this place, and we were setting up decoys, and we had already shot two while we were setting them up, and I'm like, no more. Let's not shoot anymore. We're, I know we're going to get this done. We've got a limit here. And, and we held off until we got it set right, and that ice hole just we just watched it shrink and disappear over the next hour and we shot six or seven but we didn't shoot our limit and that it's just this this time of year with this kind of temperatures is just brutal to hunt but can be very very rewarding today the feel, real feel is negative 22 and if i look at the 10 day here um tonight negative nine monday five degrees and then Five degrees, the next day, 14 degrees, negative one, negative seven. So these are the lows. So, I mean, it is nasty. It is nasty right now outside. So with that, safety becomes even more of an issue and even more at the forefront, especially with these fatalities that we've had during the month of December. So today we're going to talk about we're going to talk about these three events that happened and um, go over what the news reports were. I'm going to tell you the story of my father when he was young. 
And then we're going to do another article from Ducks Unlimited, 10 ways to 10 safety tips while you're hunting. So, because I think as much as we love waterfowl hunting, it is so easy to just get careless. When the ducks are flying and when you're going on a ton of hunts, you just let your guard down, you can get careless. And that's when, whether whether you end up dead or just injured, none of us want to turn this passion of ours into the situation where you're injured or, you, or someone dies, someone you love dies, or heaven forbid, you die. So it's just not with something that that's serious that that we need to talk about. And what better time to talk about it than right now? Uh, so, but before that, let's talk about the partners. Man, the final approach orders have been coming in big time. People are taking advantage of all the discounts there are to be had. FABrand.com, FDH10 for your 10% discount. And I can't, I can't even tell you this week how many orders I have seen come in because right now is the very best time to purchase waterfowl equipment because all the companies are like, hey, they, they've got all this overhead and they're just trying to dump it off. And so the prices just drop. FABrand.com, go check it out. You know you're going to buy stuff for next year. You know you're going to. So you might as well do it now and save yourself a bunch of money. FABrand.com, FDH10, 10% discount. And also, Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System. I have been using it a ton. I absolutely, now I have used the 7 and the 10. I'm sorry, the 7 Ducks and the 4 Ducks. My go-to, the simplest setup for me, which is so important, is the 4 Ducks on that Motion Ducks jerk. It's so easy to set up. The seven, once you start adding more ducks, it's a little bit harder. It's not complicated, but it's a little bit harder. But for me, being portable, I love just that four ducks. Set it up, boom, go. So go and check out what they have, motionducks.com, FDH10. And then as always, Onyx Hunt is the best way to increase your game with waterfowl hunting. You can scout on the images. You can set points. You can set optimal wind conditions. You can look at recent imagery. You can send them to friends. It is a game changer. Has been the number one innovation in waterfowl hunting since I have been hunting. Well, since the spinning wing decoy. I'd put the spinning wing decoy number one and Onyx number two as far as game-changing innovations. So go get Onyx Hunt. I don't have a product code for that. So let's go ahead and get into this. Now, if you want to hear my dad tell this story, I had him on um, the podcast. I don't know. This was within the first 10 or 15 podcasts of the North American Waterfowl. This is before I got the new mic. So um, the audio is not quite as good and he's not speaking this loud, but you can hear me and him talk about this entire story. So I urge you to go and do that. But I thought I wanted to tell it to you, too. Now, this is not a waterfowl hunting story, but this is a, an ice story. And any story that's about ice and water becomes um, relevant for duck hunting. Because ice is something, depending on where you live, most of us have to deal with ice. And hunting can be fantastic when there is ice. But that's also extremely dangerous because ice is unpredictable. 
And when is there going to be ice? How thick is the ice? Are there bubbles in the ice? I've seen so many weird events around around ice, especially on the river. I think this is more so true when you get current. Because on the river, here's a couple things before I tell my dad's story that I have seen that have been three things I've seen that have mesmerized me. <laughs> Number one. Uh, we were on the river, Dan and Aiden and I, and we were moving along. This sh- it was shallow water; it was only knee deep or above. And there was these pockets of fragile ice. They looked like—I don't know if they were air pockets, but that's what they looked like. They were circular, fragile on top, with a layer of ice underneath. And I don't know what caused them, but they looked and felt very, very dangerous. And if you were to get snow cover over those and stepped on it. I don't know. We never full stepped on one because we're not idiots, but I can tell you, I only saw this one time. There was a lot of them. There's these little circular pockets. Now this was super, super cold. When we go and hunt the river on ice, it's really, really cold. And when we go walking on ice, it's really, really cold. And something, I have no idea what caused these, whether they are air pockets, I don't know, but I can tell you they were strange and they looked extremely dangerous. Another one is double ice layer. And I have seen this multiple times. If you live in a state that has reservoirs, um, in my state, and I don't know if this is true in any other state, but in my state, when ice really becomes prevalent, the reservoirs like to let out water. And so what will happen is on the river, gets really cold, river freezes, Reservoirs let out water. River comes up a foot or two. They stop letting off letting out water. Then you get a second layer of ice. So you get a double layer of ice. And what happens on this is that first layer, that bottom layer, um, gets covered in sand. So it is virtually impossible to know when you're on a double layer of ice. The only way that you can tell if you're on a double layer of ice is to monitor the reservoirs um, and when they're letting out water. So if I'm watching and say, oh, the river was at, let's say, four and a half feet on Monday, super cold, frozen. Oh, look at that. Tuesday, Wednesday, they let out a bunch of water. Now we're at six and a half feet. So if you watch that and you know that they have let that water out, then you know you're in a precarious situation and you know there's a possibility of this double layer of ice. But the time that I was in there, um, now this river that I hunt is not a deep river at all. It's not a deep river at all. But I was walking and I happened to be hanging on the side of my boat. I thought I was walking on the bottom, but I was walking on that lower layer of ice. Now, in this case, it wasn't a double layer of ice. It was just a single layer of ice with water on top. So I was walking um, in the water, walking on sand, and I fell through. Luckily, I was holding the side of my boat. Now, I feel fully confident it was probably only about waist deep, but I wasn't going to let go of the boat and find out. I can promise you that. I was walking in about knee-deep water, fell through, holding the side of the boat. And like I said, I would be 90% sure that even if I let go, I'd only be at about waist deep, but I'm not going to test it. It was pretty scary. And it was a, it was a, um, definitely a life lesson for that. And I've never treated the river again, the same. And 
always watch the um, river levels and look for that. And the last one was a hole that was formed for the exact same thing. This was the reservoirs letting out water. She had ice on the bottom, ice on the top, and then they brought water on top of it. And they put a lot of water on top of it, like four or five feet. And, and as they were bringing the water back down, it had to, the water that was coming down had to maneuver around all this really thick ice that had already been underneath it. And it created this circular, this is on video two from season one, right towards the end of season one, FDH might be season two. I'm pretty sure season one. And it created this, I walked up to the rim of it and, and just on, on the sand, I was at about calf deep and you look down and there was a circle there where all I can think is the water had to somehow escape this ice and it, it, and it created a strong current and funneled out all the sand. And it was crazy looking, it's crazy looking just where from one foot, it went from ankle deep to, I don't know. It certainly looked over my waders. It was pretty clear. So you could kind of see down to the bottom, but I don't know, but it, it was, a it was about the size of a small bedroom in circle and where it just funneled it out. I'm like, if you're in the dark and you just walk off and step onto that, step into that, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So those are some things that I have seen myself that were crazy. That leads me to believe that when it's cold, when it's icy, every single step needs to be an exploratory step. You carry a stick with you, whether it's dark, every step, especially if it's not clear water. Every single step is an exploratory step. That's what you think of it as. And um, don't ever be overconfident on the river. So to my dad's story about ice, when my dad was, I believe, five or six years old, I think he was six, he lived out in western Kansas. And they lived on a farm. It was him his father, his two older brothers who were 18 and 17, his sister, who I think was like 12 ish, um, and his mother. And they lived in, in a real rural area in the middle of nowhere. And there was this little small, big pond, small lake, um, that was a recreational area for them. And this was December 26th where this happened. And this day they had, this was the day after Christmas and they decided they were going to go ice skating. And then my dad and what would be my two uncles, 18 and 17, they had their breakfast, got all their stuff, and they got ready to go ice skating. And there was a conversation where my dad was begging to go. And they 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 said, no, you, you can't go. They wouldn't let him go. So he stayed home. So um, they... I don't know how far of a walk it was, half mile walk or something, or maybe half mile to mile walk to where they were skating. Or I'm, I'm not sure how they got there. And so the afternoon rolled around and they weren't coming back, weren't coming back, weren't coming back. And um, my grandmother was getting very, very nervous. Um, and And someone went to go and check. <clears throat> and what had happened was that they were ice skating on there and there was thin ice and all three of them had fallen through and, and drowned, which obviously changed the landscape of my father's life, changed the landscape of, of my life too, for sure. 
And so what they think happened was one of the brothers was kind of a daredevil and they kind of knew it was thin ice and he was skating over there. One falls through. Another one goes to help him. He falls through. Third one falls through. Imagine the thrashing. And, and so they all, they all died day after Christmas, all three of them. Just a normal day. They're happy, laughing, setting out to do just a recreational fun thing, father and son. No one ever thought that that was going to be the last day that they lived. You get an overconfidence when, when you do things a lot. Overconfident about boat. Overconfident about maybe not putting on a life jacket. Overconfident about dealing with ice. Overconfident about gun safety. You know, you've shot hundreds and hundreds of shots and you just get lax. You never know when that moment's going to happen where it all comes to an end. You never know. So the whole point of this podcast is we as North American waterfowlers have to fight against becoming lackadaisical. Lackadaisical with our safety. You go after hunt, after hunt, after hunt, after hunt, and nothing bad happens. And when nothing bad happens, no injuries happen, no no uh, no deaths happen. You know, it it can be very easy just to to be lackadaisical around the details of safety until it happens, and and it changes your life forever. Ever, whether it be a boat flipping or capsizing or taking water or flipping a kayak or a gun going off and shooting someone or, or whatever it may be until that moment, you don't think it's going to happen, especially in your early twenties. When you're in your early twenties, you have a great sense of nothing bad is going to happen to me. And so this is, this is serious, serious stuff that we all need to keep at the forefront of our mind. So let's go ahead and go through three of stories that took place in December, unfortunately, and then 10 tips that we all can try to live by that I found off Ducks Unlimited. Um, all right, so story number one, and this happened this year in December, 24-year-old dies in hunting accident while retrieving duck. This happened in Red Rock, Oklahoma. A 24-year-old hunter died in a hunting accident on Sunday morning in Oklahoma. Oklahoma Game Warren said the man drowned in Sooner Lake about 80 miles west of Tulsa while he was duck hunting. Game Warden said that the man went in the water a tree of a duck when he had a drop-off. Water overcame his waders and he did not resurface. Using imaging technology, officials say his body is on the lake floor. It says, our thoughts and prayers go out to this young man's friends and family. The hunting community is small and close-knit. He will be missed, Oklahoma Game Warden said on a Facebook post. The man has not been named, but officials said he was a graduate student of Oklahoma State University. Now this, like I said, every step an exploratory step. This is strange because you shouldn't sink in with waiters. Depending on what kind of waiters you have, I know, I know there, there are some really open ones that are canvas, but on any kind of modern day waiter, you really shouldn't just be sinking in them. So this is strangest as to how this took place. And there's really no details, but he's just out retrieving a duck walking and stepped off an edge and never came back up. Just going to get another duck. 
How many ducks have you walked out to pick up? Every step should be an exploratory step. And I actually, this went through my head hunting a lake not too long ago that I was just walking through, quickly walking through. And I was thinking, oh, I know this is all. When you start, when, when you think of a safety concern that goes through your mind, and the next thing that you say to yourself is, well, I know that, that that's a mistake. When you're dealing with being in water and the cold and in waders, you never assume that you know, even if you think that you know. I've had times on the river where I want to cross it, and I'll cross that river the exact same spot every single time to, to minimize to minimize things, holes in the water or sand shifting, but you cannot allow yourself to assume that 100%, you know, every step is an exploratory step. God help that guy, that kid's family. Imagine what their Christmas was like. Wasn't good. Imagine what it's still like. It's only been a month since this happened. It kind of changes that this rocked throughout his family and community because he wasn't taking exploratory steps. I wonder how many times, if you've thought about this, how many times have you made a good choice that has averted major catastrophe? Because you know what's happened. You know what's happened. My mom always used to tell me, you get one chance. It goes through your mind, there's your one chance. Ignore that voice in your mind of warning and you're opening yourself up for harm. And who knows, maybe this young man, as he was walking, thought, oh, I need to walk a little more carefully and ignored it. Maybe there's been times that you and I have been walking uncarefully in the water and we say to ourselves, I need to be a little more careful. And you are a little more careful and, and it avoids catastrophe that you never know absolutely would have took place had you not listened to that voice that one chance you've got where your voice tells you something well i should eh. <sighs> missouri teen shot and killed by hunting group member i i this is absolutely such a devastating catastrophe where one of his buddies killed him or we don't know. I don't know if his buddy killed him or if he killed himself. I, I, I think from reading this, someone shot him on accident. An 18-year-old was shot and killed Sunday morning while hunting ducks at Ted Shanks Conservation Area. Trent Bush's mother, Tanika Bush, told the reporters that the son was with two close friends when the shooting happened and that her son would never in his life be upset with his friends for this. We stand with the friends that were with him because that's what Trent would want us to do. I want my son to be honored. Bush was hunting waterfowl at a conservation area in Pike, Missouri. The Missouri Department of Conservation said officials did not share the identities of the other members of the hunting group. Good for them. They should. Hopefully no one will ever find out. They, uh, the, Right now, they're certain that this was an, a hunting accident. Thank God. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family and the other members involved in the incident. Oh, my gosh. Imagine 
whoever his buddy was that gun goes off, kills his friend. Do you ever emotionally recover from that? I don't think so. I don't think you ever emotionally recover from that. I don't think you ever emotionally recover from it. Check your safeties. When you move around, take a shell out of your, out of the chamber. Jake said something to me when we were hunting last time that he said the old timers used to always say the most dangerous gun is an unloaded gun because you assume it's unloaded and it's not. Think of how much we handle guns, how many times we pull the trigger. It only takes one. It only takes one mistake. And I'm going to tell a really embarrassing story because this story really changed me. This was eight years ago about. I was laying in my layout boat. And I was just laying there. It was a slow day. Nothing was happening. Laying on my back just thinking. And I didn't even know that I was doing this. I didn't even know that I was doing this. My trigger finger was on the trigger, just touching it, just like back and forth. You know, you take your finger and you just kind of go back and forth on something because it has a nice feel to it. And subconsciously, I didn't even know I was doing this. And I pulled the trigger and the gun was off to safety. And I'm just laying there daydreaming and my gun just goes off. Talk about a rude awakening. Number one, my safety for whatever reason was off. Number two, I had my finger on the trigger of that gun enough to where I pulled it. Now that's an embarrassing story because two things as a seasoned hunter should never happen as my safety should never be off unless I'm getting ready to pull the trigger. And then as soon as I pull the trigger, it goes right back on. And what in the world was my finger doing on the trigger? Now, luckily the gun was pointed Often in the middle of nowhere, I had I had the muzzle put into the right place. I was with Corn and my dad and talk about being embarrassed, talk about being scared, talk about being ashamed. But you have something like that happen and, and you allow it to maybe when that happened, it saved someone's life. Maybe because that happened. I never let anything like that happen again. I and I was way more careful and no, and someone down the road didn't get hurt because of it. Always 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 check your safety after guns come in. And there is nothing wrong no matter how seasoned the group is, they everyone got their safety on. I think you should hear that all the time out hunting. I don't do it enough. I do it some. I do it with when I'm with more inexperienced hunters, but why? I think it's something we should be saying all the time. Everyone got their safety on? Only takes one time. It only takes one time. You're out on a duck hunt with your buddies. You're enjoying the day. You're 18. You've got the whole world in front of you. And someone didn't have their safety on. And now, and now how many lives are negatively impacted as a result of that? Forever. Story number three, 
beloved baseball player found dead after kayak capsizes while duck hunting. The body of a 22-year-old who drowned in an Alabama lake was found by officials after he died doing one of his passions, duck hunting. The duck hunter identified as Brooks Hardy from Georgia was recovered near Goose Pond Resort on Lake Guntersville, about 90 miles northeast of Birmingham. According to a December 18th Alabama law enforcement agency news release, Hardy was a cherished student athlete who played football and baseball throughout his life in Georgia, according to several people who posted tributes on Facebook. There was no identification of foul play. It was reported that his kayak capsized while duck hunting on the lake early December 16th. Two days. This Oh, I was out at that day. I shot my limit that day, two days before my heart attack. He never resurfaced. And the search went on until 3.30 on December 18th, the day that had my heart attack, wherein his body was found. He's just going out there another day in his kayak on the marsh. Probably didn't have his life jacket on. Probably didn't. Just a young kid going out to do his thing. And the next thing you know, whatever happens, boat capsizes, that's it. I'm done. Every single hunt needs to be thought of as as a dangerous event. And and I'm preaching to myself because I am absolutely not perfect on this for sure. I've got areas that I can do better. I can promise you that. Be safe out there. The weather is ridiculously harsh right now. And I know that you guys are so eaten up with waterfowl hunting because you're North American waterfowl, so you're going to go anyway. So am I, if I could. It could, you could find yourself in a situation that changes your life forever. So listen to that voice inside you. Listen to that one little chance voice you've got. And I should put on my life jacket. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about 10 tips for better safety. All right, thank you for coming back with me. I found this article on ducks.org, Ducks Unlimited site. This was written back in 2010. There are 10 tips here for safety. I've not even read these yet, so I'm going to react to them um, real time. So number one, always carry a waterproof fire starter kit in a pocket. If you get wet, being able to start a fire is crucial. To starving, to staving off hypothermia. Absolutely, right now, if you if you are hunting in cold weather where you can't quickly get back to your car, one hundred percent be able to start a fire. That should just be in your bag. A way to start a fire. I keep, um, I think it's big bushcraft or bushcraft, bigfoot bushcraft. I don't know something like that. I keep their um, flint and spark 
thing in my pack with me and these little fire starting plugs. They're fantastic. Number two, have your boat, motor, and trailer serviced before the season starts. Make sure everything mechanical is in good running order and that batteries are at full charge. Definitely a good one. Number three, always wear a certified personal flotation device when running or paddling a boat. This 100% is an area that I, that I get lax at. Where in the dark, most of the time, I wear a life jacket. But if I'm being honest, there are times that I don't. When I went down to the Louisiana trip, my buddy Kenny Bagno um, invited Jake, Elijah, uh, my stepson and I down there. And that was one thing that I was really impressed by Kenny about is he always made us wear a life jacket. And he said, wardens have told him every single time they find someone who's drowned, the common denominator is no life jacket every time. And he absolutely, anytime the boat was running, no matter what he had us with a life jacket on. And he could have easily slacked on that. I mean, it's it's 85 degrees out there, 90 degrees. He could have totally not worried about it. And that was a great example for me because that's something I'm a little lax on. Thank you, Kenny, for that lesson. Number four, never go hunting without telling somebody where you're going and when you expect to return. And honestly, there is absolutely no reason in today's day and age to not have your friends and family or your wife or whoever to be plugged into an app like 360 app where they can just see where you are at all times. And you can connect on Google that way too. Someone should be able to monitor where you are. 100%. There was one Thanksgiving back in 1990. Four, I think somewhere between 92, 93, 94. This was before cell phones. And I went out on a duck hunt and my dad didn't go. And just, I went with his buddy Thad and we had this little Skeeter boat, wasn't a duck boat. And we're on a reservoir. And for the first time ever, we decided we were going to hunt this little Island. And we left the boat with the back end of it out facing the main part of the lake. And we went, this Island was only like hundred yards by hundred yards. It was really small. And we went to the other side of the island, shot a couple of little ringnecks or something. It's about three o'clock. I'm like, well, let's let's get out of here. Let's go. This is no good. So I walked back to the boat. While we had been hunting, the nor- a north wind picked up from like five to 15. And this little skeeter, the waves came in the back side of this boat and just flooded it, flooded it out. We sat on that island from three o'clock to 10 o'clock waiting because we don't have cell phones. We cooked those little ringnecks. But my poor dad, who I already told you about what happened when he was a little kid, we weren't coming home, weren't coming home, weren't coming home. They're getting worried. They call um, the game wardens. Game warden found our truck and trailer at like nine o'clock in the parking lot. My dad could not come up with some reason in his mind as to how we weren't dead. He didn't know about that island. He could not in his mind come up with any reason that our truck and the trailer would be in the parking lot and at nine o'clock other than we drowned and we died. And that poor man had to go through the next hour of assuming in his heart that he had lost not only his father, 
and his two brothers, but his son to dying in the water. <sighs> they saw our, we had our fire going and, and they actually saw our fire from a distance and picked us up at about 10 o'clock. But if we had had a cell phone and we have those modern things now, if, if we had had 360 app, he would have known we were the whole time. There's in this day and age, there's no reason not to let people where you know where you are and not to be using um, internet devices or satellite imagery, satellite tracking apps so that people can know where you are at all time. Number five, stock your boat with safety gear, safety, survival rations, rope, flare gun, space blanket, hand axe, whistle. And I don't know that all those things would be on my list, but certainly a way to start a fire, extra clothes. I think those and and a first aid kit. Those three things. Now we have had we had had a bag of extra clothes, but not this year. I took them out. So a lot of these I'm looking through is like I got to get on this stuff. Number six, attach a small compass to your parka. This way, it'll always be here with you need it. So some way, and you know, with our phones, we have compasses, but it's not going to hurt to have one that's not digital. Never attempt to run an overloaded boat. If hunting on a large river or lake, use a boat that's big enough to handle rough water. Absolutely. I can think of in the last 10 years on a lake where three guys were out in too small of a boat and all three of them died. I've hunted that lake a bunch this year. Um, do not overload your boat, guys. A 12-foot boat is not a reservoir boat. A 14-foot boat is very questionable to be in a reservoir boat because those winds can get you. Not every lake is the same. I've got different lakes that have different maximum wind levels. I've got one lake that I'm scared to go on in 15 miles an hour. I've got a different lake that uh, I will go up to 20 miles an hour and I've got one. I'll go up to 25 miles an hour. Every lake is different as far as what the wind and the waves do on that lake. They're not all the same. Number eight, treat every gun as though it's loaded. Even when you're not sure your Gun should never, ever point at anybody, ever. Ever. You're in a layout boat. People walk by you or layout blind. People walk by you, raise your gun. Never, ever, ever should the barrel of your gun be pointed in a direction where it went off. It would, it would shoot someone. Number nine, before each hunt, open your gun's action and check the muzzle for obstructions. I'd say afterwards too. make sure that all those shells are out of your gun. Double check, triple check. Number 10, carry a cell phone and a waterproof plastic bag when hunting. Cell phone service is available in most places around the country. If an emergency arises, you can call for help. And there's so many others of these that I, that I would talk about just as far as cold and as far as ice. But those are 10 tips from Ducks Unlimited. Well, that is all I have for you today. Um, this isn't the most fun topic to discuss, but if some people's lives can be saved, some tragedies can be averted, it is certainly worthwhile. So thank you so much for joining me here today. Feel free to email me, freelancestuckhunting at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram, freelancestuckhunting. Come join the Facebook group, the North American Waterfowler Podcast. I hope that you end your season, if it's not over yet, safely with a lot of ducks in the bag. This 
weather should provide some new opportunities that, that we have been waiting for all year. So be safe and happy hunting. Until next time, you've listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast.